0: This is the Sermon Podcast for Christ Lutheran Church in Duncanon, Pennsylvania. You can find us online at clcduncanon.org. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 17th chapter. Glory to you, O God. After Jesus had spoken these words to his disciples, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave, me t- for the words that you gave to me, I have given to them. And they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one, as we are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace you, O Christ. Growing up, I was very close to some of my great-aunts, um, especially on my dad's side of the family because my grandmother had died when I was really young. Um, but it, I was, as a kid, it was great because it was like having multiple grandparents. And when I would go visit my Aunt Verna, she would take me to see some of her other friends. Um, so I was around the elderly often as a child, and some of my greatest friends, when I was five, six, seven years old, were in their 80s and 90s which was great, Um, but because of that, um, I was also around death um, at a young age. Um, People, you know, get old and and then they, they die, and I learned that at a young age, but it was from being around death at a young age that I started developing my own sense of spirituality and my prayer life without even realizing it. When I couldn't sleep at night, I don't know if my mom's here, I don't know if she knows this. When I couldn't sleep at night, I would sit up in my bed and look out the window and talk to God and my relatives and my elderly friends that had passed away. I would tell them about my day and the things that I did and what I was excited about, as though they were right there with me. I was honest about what I was feeling and what I was afraid of, as honest as any six- or seven-year-old could be. And then after a while, I would finally fall back to sleep. I'm sharing this story with you because even though I didn't realize it then, this was my first memory of prayer. This was a time that even as a little girl, I had a relationship with God and could literally just pour my heart and soul out. Prayer is an interesting thing. Maybe your first memory of prayer as a child isn't staying up late talking to God, but maybe it's a prayer your family would say together around the dinner table. Or maybe it's a song you learned. Or maybe you remember learning the Lord's Prayer in Sunday school. Prayer is a foundational part of our personal relationship with God and part of our relationship with one another as Christians. Think about some of the things that you pray for or about throughout the week. Or look at our prayers of intercessions where we pray for all things, for the world, for family, for work and careers, for health and healing, for spiritual deliverance and growth, for the church and all of its ministries, and for the earth and all earth's creatures. Praying together is one of the most intimate things we can do with one another as Christians and is what we are experiencing in our gospel text today, because we hear Jesus' final prayer for his disciples and for us. It's kind of confusing having this gospel text come after our Acts reading, because in Acts, Jesus is ascended to the Father, but here he is just about, uh, just about to be, so it's kind of like a flashback. So imagine you are one of Jesus' disciples, hearing your Savior, teacher, and friend praying these words for you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. So that they may be one as we are one. Have you ever prayed for something, uh, something that you would be embarrassed to say out loud? (laughs) Be honest. For example, I continually pray that I win enough money in the lottery to pay off my student loans. <laughs> realizing that will probably never happen, no matter how hard I, I pray. But my student loans will probably get paid off eventually. And there are other things that I could share with you this morning that I'm not going to. <laughs> Jesus' prayer in our gospel text is a little far-fetched. Not as far-fetched as praying to win the lottery, but far-fetched nonetheless. We may not think of Jesus' prayer for unity so that they may be one as we are one, as ridiculous, but take a second and think about it. Has the world or even the Christian faith ever been unified? It is kind of crazy to think about the fact that we have been divided for over 2,000 years And with the events in the recent weeks of the unfortunate bombings targeting women and girls and then Coptic Christians, it doesn't feel as though Jesus' prayer for unity is going to come to fruition anytime soon. Think of it this way. Of the nearly 2.2 billion Christians in the world, we have divided ourselves into 41,000 denominations. In North America alone, there are 54 different practicing kinds of Lutherans. In today's gospel, Jesus prays for his followers and for their mission in the world. Amid religious, social, and economic divisions, we too seek that unity that Jesus had with his Father. There is no greater unity than the relationship of the Trinity. It is so magnanimous that if we as humans try to explain it, we fail. So much so that people have been called heretics and burned at the stake for trying to describe the unity that is the Trinity. (laughs) So we, as humankind, to be so united with one another, when within our own churches we become divided on issues of great importance and of lesser importance, it's mind-boggling. I will never forget a worship and music meeting that I attended when I was in eighth grade. I witnessed adults who I looked up to in the church argue over whether or not the door in the back of the church was going to be opened or closed. Like your doors in the back are open right now. (laughs) Grown men screaming across the room at each other over a door. We laugh Because looking back, it's funny. But we are divided in our churches over issues great and small. We are divided within our own families and homes. We are divided in our workplaces and in our schools. So it makes sense, and yet it is completely overwhelming that Jesus, Jesus' final prayer for us is one of unity. I think a key point to make is that Jesus prays that his followers be one. Not that his followers are all the same and believe the same things, but to be one. We are one body, but made up of different and differing parts. For the sake of the health of the body, we do not diminish or deny that which has the potential to divide us but rather we let the light of Christ illumine how those very differences are really the path to strength, wholeness, reconciliation, and forgiveness. It is by bringing our different strengths together that we can continue to proclaim Christ's unity on earth. Christians are meant to be in community because it is in community that we recognize the Holy Spirit's presence among us, filling us and recharging us, To go back into the divided world and share God's love. A community that lifts one another up in prayer, like we do week in and week out in our prayers of intercession. When we pray for unity and peace in the world, we do not ask God for those things and then just sit back and wait for it to happen. That's not how prayer works. When we pray for unity and peace and healing and wholeness, And when Jesus prays for those things, we better be ready. Because God, working through the Holy Spirit, is going to start working through us to make God's kingdom of unity come on earth. In dying on the cross, Jesus stretched out his arms and drew the whole world to himself and unified all humanity and all creation, once and for all. And so we made one in baptism, go forth to live our faith in the world, eager for the unity that God intends for the whole human family, continually praying that God would make us one. So let us pray. God, our loving parent, your son Jesus prayed that his followers might be one. Make all Christians one with him as he is one with you so that in peace and concord, we may carry to the world the message of your love, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.